0: Today we'd like to present to you a message called In Dependence. I hope that this morning you have sensed the, the strength of God's Spirit in this place. The, the power and the stability that can come when you're able to freely worship in spirit and in truth. I hope that today... You sense the peace and the strength of God's family in this place this morning. Um, 400 years ago, men and women of God sailed away from European tyranny and oppression in order to have the ability to read God's Word on their own and worship God the way that they sensed the Spirit was leading them to worship. Imagine with me, if you will, just a hundred years ago, what it must have been like as you were sailing across the Atlantic for days on end, wondering if your ship would make it or not, and you come into the harbor of New York City, and you see the 305-foot statue of Lady Liberty with her torch in hand, and you know that you have arrived in a land of opportunity, Yes, a land uh, where many are also oppressed, but as you will see by the end of this message, any time that there is opportunity for some, there is oppression of others. It's the way of the world. It's the way that man and mankind have always been. Imagine with me, though, being in that harbor and maybe reading the inscription Upon Lady Liberty from Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, it says this, Give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Yearning to breathe free. I believe in my heart of hearts, no matter your color, your creed, ethnicity, race, or nationality, I still believe that the United States of America is the greatest nation in the world. I still believe that it is the place to be born, the place to be raised, and the place to legally immigrate to if you were not born or raised in this nation. I believe it is the opportunity that we have. I believe, I believe that that this waving flag is still worth honoring. I believe that patriotism is an essence of Christianity as honor is an essence of Christianity. I don't believe that my Christianity is an essence of my patriotism and I'll get to that more in a little while, but I would encourage you no matter how you feel about the flag and, and this is my statement, no matter how you feel about the flag in the air, no matter how you feel about the songs that are sung about the flag, if you have a hard time honoring the flag right now that is waving in the air, then I'd like to quote Bishop Clint Brown, who is dear to this church and me personally. I saw earlier this week he posted on his social media statement regarding some of the things that are going on in this nation at this moment. If you're having a hard time honoring the waving flag right now, then maybe take the opportunity to honor the folded flag. Because the folded flag that has been presented to families, presented to loved ones, presented to mothers and fathers, presented to brothers and sisters, presented to wives and husbands, the folded flag fought for by the people whom that flag was folded is still worth honoring. I still believe this is the greatest nation in the world. I'm coming to you on this Independence Day from a little bit different angle than normal. I'm coming to you a little bit more from a scholarly perspective today, from a historian's perspective today. If you'll hang in with a semi-professor for a moment, I'll turn back into pastor before I get you out of here. In 2007, I began an undergraduate thesis where I wanted to evaluate, this is my evaluation, this was my hypothesis, I wanted to evaluate whether America's foundations were based principally upon Christianity's scripture and whether the United States was predominantly founded as a Christian nation by Christian people. This was my thesis because there had been a lot of talk even in 2007 as to whether the United States was still a Christian nation, whether the United States was ever a Christian nation, and many would say it absolutely was a Christian nation, and others would say it absolutely was not a Christian nation. I will say, um, this is what I predominantly focused on in the spring of 2007. And then when I said that in first service, I realized that's not completely true. What I predominantly focused on in the spring of 2007 was my girlfriend, now wife Megan, in my senior year of college. And then my next greatest love uh, was the game of baseball. And then mixed in there, inappropriately, but I was still being sanctified and learning, Jesus was certainly in and amongst the ranks, uh, and then... It would probably be better if I just said academically in 2007, uh, from an academic perspective, I was able to focus completely on this thesis. Was or was America not principally and supremely founded upon Christianity scripture by Christian people? And I found it extremely easy to prove From a literary standpoint, it's very important. I found from a literary standpoint, it was very easy to prove that America was founded as a Christian nation from the standpoint of literature. I then found it increasingly difficult to prove from the lifestyle of those who wrote the literature. Isn't that the same? That we know what to say. It's just what we show that just keeps getting in the way. I found that from a literary perspective, we were without a doubt a Christian nation. But from a lifestyle perspective, the practices that we were okay with and tolerated and, and the way in which we even became a nation was far from Christian. And so I had a problem. 400 years ago as I referenced the Puritans traveled across the Atlantic Ocean they landed on the shores of Cape Cod quoting from pastor and author Jonathan Kahn whom I rarely quote from but who had the opportunity to preach on the Washington Monument in the middle of the mall just a year ago These. Merchants came and they sealed a covenant that declared the purpose of this new civilization. In the Mayflower Compact, it reads, and I quote, This nation would be created for the glory of God and the advancement of the faith. That was the original intent of the Puritans who first came, attempting to escape oppression and tyranny, to truly worship God the way that they felt the Spirit was leading them to worship. Less than 10 years later, another merchant ship called the Arabella sailed with a Puritan named John Winthrop. John Winthrop had a prophetic vision... He called this new civilization a city on a hill. Now that's easy to look now in retrospect and say, of course America is a city on a hill. But this was before colonialization. This was before the foundations of the nation. It was before any continental congress. It was before any wars. It was an open land of opportunity. And Jonathan Winthrop, I believe from the Spirit of God, had a prophetic vision of a city on a hill in which he said the eyes of the entire world would follow. And if that city on a hill were to follow the ways of God, then God would bless it. And the blessings of ancient Israel would come upon it. But with the vision came a warning. Hear the warning today. This prophetic warning Puritan John Winthrop said, If this city on a hill were to turn away from God, the God of its foundation, then the same thing would happen to America, the same thing would happen to it, he didn't even know to call it America at that time, that happened to the nation of Israel when they were taken into bondage and captivity by the Babylonians. Fast forward. July 4th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence in which the second paragraph reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men were created. Two things to point out there. Number one, he did not say men and women. Very important. Because they did not believe that all men and women were created equal. But they wrote... That all men were created, giving God the glory of creation. Dispatching and dispounding the idea that we would, some 200 years later, teach our children that we evolved from pond scum. You win some, you lose some. Then he said, and all these have the opportunity, obviously, to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. It's layman's terms. But I have to ask the question on this July 4th, 2021, not just with what's going on in our world today, but with what has always been underlying in our land. Is democracy God's will or the enemy's window? Is democracy what God will come back and establish here on earth? Democracy can be fined, and, and that, that, that question is unsettling. Some, somebody's heart rate went, just went up. Their blood pressure just increased. Hang in here with me for my undergraduate thesis that was completed in 2018 as I received my ordination and had been pastoring this church for two years at a graduate level. Is democracy... What is democracy? As we answer this question, let's define democracy. Democracy... Simply defined is government by the people, like us, and that government is ruled by the majority. Okay, government by the people ruled by the majority. Whatever the majority wants, that's what the majority gets. Whatever the people's majority wants, that's what governs the land predominantly. In a democracy, hear me, in a democracy, power is placed in the hands of the people. Do you remember in the book of Samuel when the prophet went before God and said, The people want a king so they can be like every other nation. Do you remember that? And God told Samuel, It is not you that they are rejecting but me. Give the people what they want. Was that the will of God in perfection or was that the will of God in permission? Democracy in and by the people, power being held in the ruling majority is of all essence the definition of democracy. In 1831 Alexis de Tocqueville came with a group of French investigators to look at the prison systems that had been established in the United States of America. And instead of just studying the prison systems, they transitioned in their studies. They began to look at what is now referred to by them as the great experiment. That's what American democracy was. The great experiment. Alexis de Tocqueville said, I sought for the key to greatness of and the genius of American democracy in numerous places, hear this, I believe it's in your paper notes and online, but it's not on the screen just because it was so much. He said, I sought for it, the key to their greatness, I sought for it in her democratic congress. I sought for it in her matchless constitution. But not until, hear this, not until I went into the churches of America... And heard her pulpits flame with righteousness. Did I understand the secret of her genius and power? America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, then America will cease to be great. Is democracy power and rule by the people for the people's majority? God's will or the enemy's window? Well, I believe that the answer remains the same as it did 2,000 years ago. That's our choice. What we use, the freedom of this land that was so dearly fought for and some died for, What we use the freedom of this land to accomplish is completely up to us. And what we allow the enemy to use the freedom of this land to accomplish is completely up to us as well. That surrender to God and His sovereignty is ultimately the most important. And I believe that we need to be very careful. Hear me today. I believe we need to be very careful as I am being careful with this message. We need to be very careful putting our Christianity behind political candidates. That got a better amen in first service. I'll try again next service. We need to be very, hear me, we need to be very careful putting our Christianity in front of our country. Or behind our country. Again, we honor the folded flag. But friends, we cannot expect people that do not understand honor to God to understand honor to a country. And you do not overcome dishonor with more dishonor. You do not come overcome evil with more anger and more evil. So with all that's being said and all that's being done on Newsmax and CNN, and Fox News, and social media feeds. The answer today remains the same as it was 2,000 years ago as Jesus and his apostles addressed it. The choice is ours. From the day when professed Christians enslaved other people as acceptable, come on, to today. When people think that more dishonor is the way to bring attention to deprivation. And everything in between those two things. I believe we have the same responsibility. This is not in your notes. God laid it on my heart as I was praying and studying this morning to read to you specifically 1st Peter chapter 2 you got to remember some of you have heard this before uh, Simon Peter as Pastor Dylan pointed out this past Wednesday night even Simon Peter was not known for his wisdom in what he said I mean all right I'll just leave it alone if you haven't already heard those messages my man was not known for saying the right thing at the right time okay but he learned his lesson as he was corrected by Paul for hypocrisy in Galatians chapter 1. He writes this in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm reading from the Berean Study Bible today. He says, conduct yourselves with such honor. I'm going to preach on honor in August. I promise you're going to want to be here for that. I'm going to hurt myself three times on a Sunday preaching preaching on honor. He said, conduct yourselves with such honor... The New International Version translates this word that in front of pagans, conduct yourself with such honor among the pagans. Berean and most other translations translated as Gentiles, those separated from God. Conduct yourselves with such honor on Facebook. I mean, you're like premeditating things and then hitting sin. It's not like you like, oops, said the wrong thing. No, no, no. You like thought it out, typed it, ignored the Holy Spirit, and said it anyways. Peter says, conduct yourselves with such honor among pagan people that even if they slander you as evildoers, these Christians and their hate speech, these, these, these Christians and, and their separationists, These these Christians and they're interrogating scriptures and accusations according to what God's word. No, no, no. Peter says you can't fight that fire with more fire. You can't fight dishonor to a holy God with more dishonor towards a person that doesn't honor a holy God. That's not what's going to win them. Instead... When they slander you as evildoers, they should see your good deeds. So much to the fact, you remember Alexis de Tocqueville said, if America ever ceases to be good, it will cease to be great. And Peter says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. In dependence. Happy Independence Day, (laughs) yes. it was heavy on our hearts this week that we communicated what true freedom really is, what true independence actually means, and who true independence is found in. Here's why. Because it is the conviction of my heart that I am in dependence to anything in which I place my identity. Let it simmer for a second. If I place my identity in something, then I am in dependence to that which I placed my identity in. Democracy, politics, political candidates, platforms, propaganda. Whatever I place my identity in, I am now in dependence to. Yes, some have developed dependency upon drugs and alcohol. Some have developed dependency upon prescription pills. We are the most medicated and yet the most miserable of all generations because we are in dependence. Some of us place our dependence in caffeine. Yeah, I didn't think I was gonna go there. <laughs> I was like, oh whoa, get out my cereal, man. <laughs> like I'm just trying to wake up, preacher all up in my grill. Some of us place our dependence in carbs and sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Here's how you know. If you get offended when a preacher asks you to fast. Ask me to fast. The Bible says fasting is between me and Jesus. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, the second week of August, we're going to be fasting as a church. <laughs> love for you to join us as we pray not just for Eunice Christian Academy but for all the schools and by the way all the missionaries that we're gonna be sending into all the schools as teachers and coaches and administrators and students not just this school we are independence to entertainment we are independence to athletics and sports in fact we are so independence to athletics that we will disobey God's word in order to pursue fame and glory and success in these areas we are independence to academics we are independence to technology we are independence to sports and friends we are independence to unhealthy relationships In my just short tenure, hang in here with me for a second. I know it's heavy. It's going to turn. Okay, hang on. In my short tenure in ministry, I have met multiple people and had many conversations with people, parents, who were more upset about their young person wanting to get married too early Then they were upset when that same young person was living and sleeping with the other person outside of holy matrimony. Guys, biblically, that is the wrong perspective. But we are more okay with somebody living and sleeping together out of holy matrimony than we are with them getting married too early because they're going to make a mistake. They're going to hell right now! And we get so upset. Oh, they're too young to get married. They need to go. She's got to finish school. He needs to make more money. My man's still playing video games in his grandma's basement. Then why'd you start letting her date him at 15? What'd you think was going to happen? I done stepped in it today. (laughs) Come on, we're independents to unhealthy and unbiblical ideas and ideologies. We just don't realize it. We're just as entrenched in this culture as the people that we accuse. We're independents to social media, we're independents to smartphones. Researchers from the University of Maryland wrote an article called, The World Unplugged. You can find this on a website. Some of the data from their article posted in 2017, that was four years ago, imagine what it would be like now. They actually compared the dopamine release that students and young people and many of us now find from our social media influence, our social media likes, our comments, our engagements, our little double click hearts, our little how many people viewed. It's the same dopamine release that we find if we were to be uh, entrenched in cocaine and or heroin. It's our finding fulfillment in things that we weren't necessarily supposed to be fulfilled by. And even if it's not sinful, anything in excess can become sin. In fact, this study showed that when they took a group of people And they took their cell phone away. After 48 hours, they experienced similar withdrawals to an individual who was addicted to drugs. Losing their... Take a phone away from a teenager. Watch what happens. Lucifer. (sighs) But hear me, watch, listen. How dangerous... See, my generation, we were influenced by like daytime television some of our some of our 20 I don't even know but 30 to late 40s we were we were all influenced by like shows like in West Philadelphia born okay so it's stuff you know what I'm saying like that's honestly that's where we got our worldview what we listened to on the radio what we watched on television for an hour or two a day this generation right now, they spend hours on their smartphone, on their social media. And their social media and smartphone is having way more influence on their worldview than Scripture is. You let your child spend 20 to 50 hours a week being influenced by their social media and bring them to church for one hour, sometimes a month, you expect Jesus to clean up what you've been breaking all week long? It ain't going to work, baby. you got to get out of independence to social media. They may hate you now, but they will help you later. We have got to monitor how much time and how much dependence we spend here's the truth we are in dependence to a lot of things and Jesus is rarely the one if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 2 some of you may remember just a few weeks ago we visited this story of these friends of a man who was paralyzed He was bound by paralysis. And the four friends knew what we should know every time we see somebody operating dishonor. What we should know every time we see somebody do sinful things. We should know that we need to do what these four friends needed to do. If I can just get them to Jesus. If I can just get them to Jesus. Because... I'm all focused on their behavior, and their behavior infuriates me. Their behavior is intolerant. Their behavior is leading them into eternal separation from an all-consuming fire named God. Yes, I agree, but if I can just get them to Jesus, if they just have a moment with the one that I call Savior, In this story, these people understood that. The Bible says in verse 3 of Mark chapter 2: four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Verse 4: they couldn't bring him to Jesus, bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. The crowd will always get in your way when you're trying to get somebody to Jesus. But I want you to notice that they were not hindered by the crowd. The Bible says because of the crowd, they couldn't get him, so they dug a hole through the roof. I like the way that's worded because normally like, where are they going? Oh, through the roof. Okay, never mind. They dug a hole through the roof above his head. And I love, if you haven't already done this, you have to do it. Download the Chosen app or go to YouTube and just start binging Jesus. Some of y'all ain't going to be doing nothing worth doing tomorrow and or the rest of the day, you may as well go binge You're going to binge on a bunch of stuff don't represent Jesus. Just go ahead and binge on Jesus. Download the Chosen app. If, if, you, if, if you have the time, go and begin to watch those episodes if you haven't already. We showed one of them. I love the scene when they're like pulling the stuff off the roof. And, and I don't remember if it was Big James or Little John or whatever. One of them looked up and they were like, hey, put it back, man. I love that. I don't know why he sounded Jamaican. This way I heard it. You know, in his head, he's like, put it back, man. Because he's thinking, that's my mama's roof. And I'm going to have to fix it. So <laughs> the friends dig a hole. And they, the Bible says, then they lowered the man on his mat. Right down in front of Jesus. Can you see this scene? Here he comes. I mean, my man has like very little power right here. Like he is not in a democracy. Okay. He has been overruled. And here he comes, unable to move his arms and legs, likely his arms, but maybe just his legs. We don't know. Maybe he's like. (laughs) Either way. Okay. He's not just asleep. He's stuck. On this mat. And they lower him down in front of Jesus. Now everybody thinks. Everybody thinks that Jesus is going to heal him. Because that's what they expected him to do. Right? That's why they brought him. Verse 5. I love this. The Bible says seeing their faith. Seeing the faith of the people who said they believed in Jesus. Not the faith of the person who was bound. Not the faith of the person that didn't understand honor. Not the faith of the person who was willing to lower their morality or walk in less than integrity. But the Bible says seeing their faith. The people that brought him to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, Jesus said... He saw their faith and he said to him, My child, okay, Matthew chapter 9, I love Matthew chapter 9 in this text as well. It says, Take heart. New King James Version translates it, Be of good cheer. This broke guy, bound by paralysis, is lowered by four people who just tore up somebody else's roof. He lowers them down on the ground. Jesus, seeing their faith, looks at the man and says, be of good cheer. That's weird. That's not what I would have said. And then everybody is watching in anticipation because the crowd was huge. It was so packed around the house that nobody else could get in and they weren't even willing to fight the crowd so they climbed up on the roof with a paralyzed corpse and lowered him down through and everybody's thinking Jesus gonna do it he gonna do it and Jesus looks at him and says be of good cheer your sins are forgiven Jesus said what? they're all standing there uh, that's not really why we came. Uh, that's not why we were going to follow you, Lord. I don't know, Lord, if you notice, like, he he ain't really done nothing. He just lay in there. Jesus, like, now we did some stuff, like, you might need to forgive us. This is his friends, by the way, hollering down from the roof. Just imagine the Bible with me. And he looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. They're like, ah, that's not why we came. Nope. See, they thought that this man was bound by paralysis. They thought that this man was bound by racism. They thought that this man was bound by materialism. They thought that this man was oppressed because of temporary earthly things. And they were ready to fight for him to be healed from the earthly things. But Jesus Christ recognized that his bondage was not found in paralysis. His bondage was sin. And so Jesus didn't speak to the paralysis. He spoke to to what was causing the paralysis. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus knowing their thoughts in verse 10 said, I will prove to you that the Son of Man, what? Has the authority on earth to forgive sin. Because this is the issue. The problem is not paralysis. The problem is not propaganda. The problem is not somebody else's perspective. The problem is what is being produced from the root. And Jesus said, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he turns back to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. See, I I believe that Jesus Christ this Independence Day still has the authority to forgive sin. If my people how many times this will be quoted today if if my people Not everybody else, not those people. When did we get in the habit of saying, well, they, they are the problem. No, sin is the problem. And we need a generation of four friends that would understand the real issues in today's society. And that would understand that the only way that true freedom can come to pass is if we stop pushing them further away from freedom himself. Because true independence is found when you understand that Jesus Christ still has the authority to forgive sin. So you don't clean up and come to him. You don't clean them up and bring them to him. You just get them to Jesus. You just go to Jesus. Man, I spent a lot of time trying to clean people up. It drove me crazy because people are crazy. But Jesus, He created crazy. I'm gonna read this prayer. John chapter 17, Jesus likely in the garden of Gethsemane, his friends have forsaken him. The ones that he trusted the most, they went to sleep when he needed them the most. This is what I would refer to as Jesus' deathbed prayer. It was what he was praying when he knew he was on the way to crucifixion. This is likely the most important thing that Jesus ever said. He prayed this prayer in John chapter 17, beginning in verse 9 for us today. He said, My prayer is not for the world. That's interesting. Because we get really mad at people who aren't already living for God. My prayer, Jesus said, is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. Verse 10, he says, all who are mine belong to you. Guys, before you lose your mind over somebody's sin, would you remember that the only reason that they still have breath is because of the spirit within there's a little bit of God's image in every single person alive today. Every single person has the imago day, the image of God. Otherwise, you remove the image of God, and you have Sapphira. You have Lot's wife. You remove the image of God, look at Saul. Jesus said, All who are mine belong to you. We got to see people as God sees them. And you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Verse 11 Now I am departing from the world. This is his deathbed prayer. But they're staying in the world. I'm coming to you, says the Son. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Isn't it good? That we're not remembered by what we've done, but we're remembered by who He is. Like He put His name on us. And that is who He calls us. But then He says, Now protect them. Protect them by the power of your name. It's interesting. Every single one of Jesus' closest followers were martyred, murdered for their faith. Some of them were pulled apart by horses. Some of them were impelled with stakes. Some of them were crucified and some of them were crucified upside down. Some of them were stoned to death. For what? For their faith. And Jesus says, protect them by the power of your name because eternity is a lot longer than earth. Watch, watch. So that they will be united not divided over the same issues that have been dividing people in every single empire all the way up to this great experiment so that they will be united just as we are. Jesus is praying. I'm finished. Verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples. I'm not just praying for you. But for all who will ever believe in me because of Their message. Not Jesus' message. It's not Jesus' message that's going to save them. It's the way that we share Jesus' message that's going to save them. Or, it's going to leave them separated. He says, verse 21, and I'm closing. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one can you imagine can you imagine the health of the body of Jesus if we would fight for the unity of the spirit instead of getting distracted by the same thing as those who are not even in relationship with him can you imagine What God could do with a last day's church that would abide by this principle. That would answer Jesus' prayer. To be united together. Just as Jesus and the Father. As you are in me, Father. And I am in you. And may they be in us. So that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus, and I'm praying. Jesus wants us to be in dependence to Him. He wants your friend. He wants your family member. He wants your coworker. He wants your enemy to be in dependence to Him because only in Him do we experience true freedom he who the son sets free is free democracy is not freedom democracy is a means to pursue freedom jesus is freedom pursue him and don't be distracted or dependent upon anything else i want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes father i thank you for your word that it does not return unto you void. God, right now, right now, I pray that you would help us. Help us in this room to identify some areas of our lives where we may be dependent upon things that are not you. God, maybe those things aren't even evil. Maybe they're good if they're just properly prioritized. God, maybe they're not evil things. Maybe they're just excessive. Lord, help us prepare our hearts right now for your spirit to speak. God, show us where we are not in full dependence to you. Show us any area of our lives where we need to surrender, where we need to confess, where we need to repent. God, we we preach repentance, but we have to practice repentance. Let our lifestyle be even louder than our literature. God, right now, I pray for anybody in the room who needs to be born again. God, I pray for anybody in the room who needs to confess you as Lord. Anybody that needs to commit or recommit their lives to you before we go today. You are the reason that we are here. You are the reason that 200 plus people a month serve this church so faithfully after they work all week. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you need to confess him as Lord... If you need to commit or recommit your life to him, I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are. The church is praying for you and we've already been praying for you. If that's you, I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are in a position of surrender. It's an act of obedience. I'm going to invite the church to pray loud. Because anybody that needs to make this confession today, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer out loud. Confess with your mouth and then live with your life. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, forgive me for being dependent upon other things than you. Forgive me of my fallenness, my sin, my flaws, my doubt, and my disobedience. I believe you gave your life so I could live. You shed your blood So I could be washed clean. You were raised from the dead. So I could be born again. A new creation in you. So take my life and make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. I am dependent upon you alone. I surrender all right now in Jesus name. Amen. Come on can you praise God together today.